the big big show as always my name is Matteo coming to you from Austin and from Houston is my brother Ken say hello Ken peace and long life there he is all right well we are here to talk about the final two big episodes of the show uh Star Trek Discovery this week and boy what a big two episodes they were and what a big cliffhanger we got at the end as well it's going to be a good time discussing it all uh, I know it is cold around the country, but it is uh, 39 degrees here in Austin, and especially for those of us in Austin, it is cold. How about there in Houston, Ken? I'm just glad that it's warm enough that the pipes won't freeze. But That's it's quite always cold. a good thing. Yes, I know. It's ridiculous. What is this? We're in Texas. This shouldn't <laughs> be happening. That's for sure. Uh, well, before we jump into the let's get to it, let's talk about some of the big burning questions we had coming into these final two episodes. Uh, oh, by the way, I want to thank everybody for your wonderful patience and waiting another week to get this final episode. Uh, not only was I uh, rehearsing last week for uh, the show that I'm doing as an actor, but also my voice went out, which is great when two weeks out from the show that you're about to come in, you lose your voice and have trouble even rehearsing. So uh, there would have been a lot of silence on my side of the uh, of the podcast, so we decided to wait a week, although I'm sure some of you would have enjoyed that. All right, uh, so here are the big questions here. We got uh, what's going on with Voke and Tyler, right? Uh, Voke has apparently been removed. What's going on about that? We got uh, them coming back to uh, our universe, the prime universe, but uh, nine years, or nine, not years, that would have been really bad, uh, nine months later. Uh, then we got to know what's going to happen to uh, the crazy Emperor Giorgio, uh in this in our universe, in the Prime Universe. And finally, uh, you know, a lot of other major questions. We got to know, will Lorca come back? What's up with that dot that we saw on uh, Tilly's shirt? All this and more we want to know. And only some of those are answered in these two episodes. And on those bombshells, let's get to it with the war without the war within. Captain's log. Starting. It's five-year mission. So we pick up uh, again almost immediately after that last episode ended. Saru, Captain Saru, enters the uh, enters the transporter room. He sees Giorgio, and at first he's excited, but then realizes it must be the bad one, especially as uh, she demands that he get on his knees. And uh, even uh, even makes a comment towards uh, Burnham that, uh, hey, that we just ate Kelpian and uh, you should be not kowtowing to him, even if he is your captain. But Saru confines her to the brig, not the bridge. Saru is out, uh, is put out by Burnham's lie that there were no Kelpians. But of course, she says, hey, I was just trying to save you a little bit of pain and anguish from uh, what was really happening to those Kelpians because it was not a good thing. Burnham then also admits that she couldn't watch Giorgio die again. So uh, this is really a problem with her. <laughs> Definitely. Sort of a uh, sore spot, don't you think, Ken, when it comes to uh, the, the relationship between her and this mere Giorgio? <laughs> yeah, so she's obviously got lots of uh, you know, pain, probably connected to the fact that she feels responsible for Giorgio crime getting killed. And everything that happened as a result of that. Well, that's so, true. I mean, this whole war basically started because of uh, those crazy events. Can't undo. Saru then compliments her, uh, which was I thought was really nice. Again, we're seeing their relationship really come, you know, uh, do a complete 180 from where it was when the show started. Saru compliments her by saying, you know, no one else could have done what you did on that Terran ship. We also find out that the uh, Discovery is in bad shape after riding the uh, mycelial network home. 
lots of uh, things have blown up, and you can see them fixing all sorts of panels and stuff as they make their way through the uh, through the ship. As well, I don't know if you noticed this, but on the outside of the ship were some like little robots that were doing uh, maintenance work on the saucer section, which I thought was really interesting and something we hadn't seen on Star Trek before, but also something that seems really obvious because, of course, they would have robots fixing stuff on the outer hull. It's like R2 in the uh, Phantom Menace. Burnham finds out about the surgery with Voke and that Laurel was the one who was not only uh, the one who fixed him up, but was also, you know, his torturer, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The person in charge of him. Uh, Saru hopes that Burnham's familiar face will help bring him around, but Burnham says that she can't face him. So uh, she walks off. We then find that uh, we find this then walk and talk right here that happens between Saru and the, the new doctor of the ship, which I think is funny because if they were on their way to sickbay, then why did the doctor come all the way down the hallway to meet them outside the sickbay only to have this walk and talk back? I don't know. It seems a little too overly director to me, but whatever. It's fine. We find out that uh, uh, they're not sure how to classify what Tyler is. He's half Klingon, he's half human, or he's some mixture of both, and he's, like, not just one. It's, it's hard to say. Uh, they just don't have enough information after the uh, reassignment surgery. Saru then talks to Voke, trying to get into his head and see what's what. Is he Tyler? Is he Voke? Do we know? We find out that Toler hey, has uh, Voke's memories, can access them whenever necessary, which is uh, kind of what I wanted, if, especially if Tyler is... Uh, Going to become a member of the crew, like I was hoping. But even if that doesn't happen, I'm sure he'll be back next season to be able to, you know, continue this uh, interesting storyline, this dual dynamic we have in this character. He's too interesting a character to just leave by the roadside. <coughs> yes, that is for sure. I totally agree with that. I think that uh, there's just so much to him. There's too many layers to him and too many like fun things you can do, you know, like what happens if the Vogue personality like tries to rise again or something like that happens. There's so many like just neat stuff like that that you can do. Uh, he says that he can uh, access Vogue's memories, but it's like looking at somebody else's life. Uh, we do find out that their plan was that they hoped that they could steal the discovery and bring it back to the Empire under Takuvma's house. And uh, that's hopefully being able to, again, reunite the, uh, the Klingons, which at this point, they are definitely not united. Tyler seems Tyler so far, and he asks about Burnham, but Saru tells him to, you know, just focus on getting better. He sort of sidesteps that situation there. Onto the, uh, back onto the bridge, they get a, uh, a Federation vessel arriving right in front of them. It immediately beams over a boarding party. And it's the one that we saw on last week's next week on. It's Sarek and uh, Admiral Cornwell. Uh, Sarek immediately just comes up to Saru and does a mind meld. Uh, he says, desperate times call for desperate actions. So let's talk about mind melds a little bit because I've always felt from certainly Spock's discussions of it. And admittedly, he's, you know, uh, half human, so maybe it was more, but it always seemed like mind melts were difficult. Um, is it just for Spock because he's half human, or are mind melts difficult for all Vulcans? And Sarek sure seems to have done a lot of mind melding in this series, so uh, in just a short few episodes here 15. What do you think? I think that uh, early on, there were a few of them. It's something they invented at some point. So there's like a before they invented it and then after they invented it. <laughs> True. They didn't, I don't think they wanted to do it too much. I think they were worried about it becoming a crutch. True. And the more, you know, as they establish how mind wells work over a long, long period of time, it's easier to use them without it just being like, you know, we just constantly go to the mind meld bucket and yeah. pull out whatever inside of it. Because I think now they've kind of established what you can do with it and what you can't. And it's easier to use them more often in ways that don't 
kind of break the the show. That's fair. And I guess it's just not our Sarek that we've seen do it. We did see the other one in the Mirror Universe, so maybe I'm just thinking of one too many. Uh, but he has done it like two or three times. And I guess admittedly two of those were even the same person because they were both Burnham. But anyway, it just seems like a lot of mind-melding going on for me. Um, the Admiral asks about Lorca, and uh, Sarek announces that he is dead. And we go to the opening credits. Uh, no commercial here. We're right back at it. We find out that the uh, Terran Discovery was blown up in the Prime Universe. Uh, that's why it never showed up in the other universe. I kept thinking we were going to like run into a situation where we were going to find Captain Tilly, which also then sets up the idea that has never been confirmed that if something is buzzed over from the Prime Universe into the Mirror Universe, that it then puts the other one in the other universe. So no matter what, even if one intentionally went over, the other one didn't. It doesn't matter. They're over there in the uh, in the prime universe. So I guess we can figure out that that's probably what happened to Lorca too. Later, uh, uh, Admiral Cromwell just you know says that idea that like, hey, he he being one of our people was could not survive over there in the Terran universe. The admiral then starts the beep uh, the briefing, the cloaking signature that the Enterprise. Uh, found all those months ago, but then got stuck in the mirror universe has finally been decimated or uh, disseminated to the fleet. So that's good. Uh, and in that whole scene, we've got uh, Sarek giving Burnham the eye. We also get the rest of the scene, a bunch of just exposition about uh, what's been happening, what star bases have been destroyed and all these things. But the most interesting thing we find out is that uh, they're not just fighting a single enemy in the Klingons. They are fighting each of the houses separately. Uh, Burnham says, you know, there's no logic to what they do. There are no tactics. We're not just fighting one enemy. It's all the houses. So you're uh, kind of a strategy guy, a little somebody who knows something about tactics. Talk to me about fighting a war on these many fronts. So Machiavelli distinguishes between what he describes as, as medieval France in which every lord has his own army. It's easy to turn one, but there, then another one pops up. It's impossible to hold because there's all this kind of local power, whereas the Turk, his other example, seems in, impossible. It's a gigantic army, difficult to fight. But if you could defeat that one great army, the whole thing will tumble. It's, of course, the story of like Greece versus Persia. The Greeks with all their little city-states, even if you could smash one, all the other ones would still resist you. Whereas with the Persians, once Alexander defeated the Persian army in two, three, four major battles, the Persians fell. So, mm -hmm. in one sense, having the Klingons come at the Federation at the beginning united, and then fall into their separate powers means that in a sense, having gained this 20%, this fifth of the Federation, they then become France, in which, you know, it's hard to regain territory because everywhere you turn around, there'll be someone else trying to jump in on your stuff. So, the so, what, so go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to, like, so, again, from a Star Trek or standpoint, then, discovery here so say they like okay so the 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 i don't know i'm trying to think of some so let's say some solar system is taken over by uh by house delore or something i don't know I'm making up a klingon name so one of the house delore but then the starbase you know with starfleet ah we'd take it back we've destroyed the house delore in this system but then house core could then come yeah. in and take back that system because you're fighting a different army yep but it, it also then suggests uh, you know, it may be possible to put them back into a... This, this is what, what Giorgio is basically going to suggest, is that you, you put them back into Persia slack Turk mode by striking directly at, at the Emperor, at right. the Klingon homeworld. Which we'll get to very soon uh 
I love then Sarek. Sarek, I wrote down this line because I loved it. Sarek says, we are the fodder for their feudal savagery. So uh, they are then ordered to uh, keep it a secret about the alternate universe because, as Sarek points out, if, the, if there is a possibility that you could see your dead wife or lost child because of the war, that, uh, you know, you might try and then find them. So they could have a, you know, uh, uh, an uprising Constant from... People going back and forth, yeah. Yeah, crazy. right, exactly, in the universe, yeah. So the mirror universe is now classified. Um, Which explains why we don't know anything about it. Right, exactly. Yeah, when the uh, when the uh, the uh, original series crew comes or uh, digs it up. Yep. So uh, they then uh, say, "Hey, it'd be really great." If so, like DS Nine uh, spent a lot of time messing around with the mirror universe, mm -hmm. and over there, the mirror people seem to know a lot more about the Federation than the Federation did about the mirror. Yeah, and we get that same thing going on here with. Or Emperor Giorgio knows all about the Federation. Yep, exactly. So uh, I, I stole this off of Memory Alpha, which just says that Star, Starfleet highly classifies all the information on the discoveries visit the universe. This could explain how the mirror universe... Oh, this could explain how the mirror Jonathan Archer could find no information on the Terran Empire when the USS Defiance uh, database... Da, 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 meaning that the Hulkin incident was also classified by Starfleet, though at some point it was declassified because Bashir tells Kira that he read uh, Kirk's crossover about Kirk's crossover at Starfleet Academy. Maybe by then too, it didn't need to be classified anymore. You know, if, especially if they were just following Sarek's idea of like, hey, we get people crossing over back and forth, that could be caused lots of problems, as we've already discovered. So then they said, uh, hey, you know, it'd be really cool, Stamets, if you could uh, spore drive us right to Starbase 1 because uh, flying there from there between here and there could cause a lot of problems with the Klingons. There's a lot of them around, but uh, we find out that they are out of spores. They use them all up getting home, and they've got a warp back there. Then Burnham takes Sparrick and Cornwell to uh, visit the Emperor, uh, Miss Giorgio. Burnham asks uh, for political asylum for her. The Admiral promises that she will uh, that she will uh, do what she can, but that uh, right now she will be held humanely and that her presence uh, could be a problem. Then Styler, oops, Tyler. Then Tyler runs into Stamets. Uh, Tyler sort of tries to apologize for killing his husband. Uh, Stamets asks uh, him if he remembers it. You know, does it gut you, he says. Yes, says Tyler. To which Stamets replies, good, maybe you're still human after all. There's still life in you. He then uh, walks into the cafeteria and everyone there gets quiet. Which is a lot how this was. We saw this twice. Once when Tyler first came back and we had, you know, Tilly go over there and be nice to him. Right. And then, of course, when Burnham first showed up. So. Exactly. So we get a mirror of this, too, because... Of course, Tilly is the first person to uh, make her way over to uh, join him. She says, you can talk if you want. If not, I'll just sit here. That's cool. Then uh, the navigator, Detmer, joins them. And then suddenly two or three other people join in as well. Oh, shucks, Starfleet. You're so nice. <laughs> On the bridge, they find they are approaching Starbase 1. No hostilities at all. Uh, but they can't reach anyone. At Starbase One and Saru's that threat ganglia go. See, so already we're starting we get we're building tension again, right? Here we are, still early on in the show. We got a lot of bad things that have already happened, more bad things on the way, because you find out that oh my gosh, there is no Starbase. It's been destroyed. And one of the Klingon houses has their logo on it. Eighty thousand people are gone, says Cromwell, including three starships. Boy, they have come back to quite a hell, haven't they? Indeed. Commercial. Back at it. To the brig. We're talking to Lorel again. The Admiral tells her of the divided leadership of the Klingons. Uh, and says, hey, this is not the Klingon Empire that we saw at Starbase 1. It was House Decor. 
How does this, uh, how will this war end? Asks the Admiral. And Laurel says, the only way to end this is for you to conquer us. Then Georgiou and uh, Burnham have a talk. Burnham says the time for the war has passed. How did you defeat the Klingon Empire? She then goes, we don't, we don't find out what she says, but then uh, Burnham goes to the Admiral with a proposal, which again, we don't know. But in the next scene, we hear that the Klingons are uh, getting ready for a big fight. Admiral Cromwell uh, uh, says, we need to take the fight to them. Sarek says that logic shows uh, that Starfleet ta tactics have not working. We must adapt. We must do what uh, Cromwell is, uh, is opting for here. The plan is to spore jump into the deep caves below Quonos and scan the planet from there. Now they have to get the, now they have to get the spores, so they have to fly to the Vada system where they're going to terraform one of the moons with mycelia. Now Sarek and Giorgio are talking about Burnham and comparing each other's, uh, each other's Burnham to each other. And that's when uh, Giorgio says, what if I could show you a way to bring them to their knees? Cut to a scene then between Sarek and Burnham. He is deep diving into her psyche. He says, uh, he, uh, he questions, not questions, he uh, shows or discusses her choice of uh, loving a Klingon. How appropriate. He says, uh, what greater source of peace exists than our ability to love our, our enemy? To which Burnham says, I have made foolish choices, emotional choices. To which Sarek replies, well, you're human, as is your mother. Do not regret having loved someone, Michael. <laughs> I wrote platitudes easier said than done. <laughs> we have all loved and lost, and it is not easy. Thanks, Sarek. But then Sarek disappears, having basically said goodbye to Burnham. We don't know if they will see each other again. Tilly now is having problems coping with the problems of war. When she joined Starfleet, she did not imagine a war was where they were going to end up. And yet, here they are. She was reminded back at... Oh, go ahead. So one of the things that, that they have done through these, the, all the Lorca stuff, right? Uh-huh. Was to establish this tension between how Starfleet behaves and how Lorca behaves, leading to all this what's up? This doesn't feel like Star Star Trek is Lorca from the mirror universe, is Lorca a Romulan, is you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and now what they feel like they're doing in these last episodes is basically recapitulating this problem. So we've now put our our desperate hat back on and they're seriously listening to Giorgio. Yeah. And it feels like so you've rejected all this stuff, but now you're gonna just turn not to a I mean Lorca was pretending to be a good guy. Yeah. Lorca was playing along. And, you know, while Lorca may have been skirting up to the edge of the rules, skirting up to the edge of getting in trouble, he wasn't doing crazy stuff. Right. He was just kind of being edgy. And, I mean, Giorgio's not going to be able to, uh, you know, like, be nice when it comes time to be nice. She's, she's just going to be all ruthless all the time. Yeah. And so I think what they're going to end up having to do here is to recapitulate the whole season in these last two episodes in which we again ask the question, are we willing to put up with some corner cutting and some more ambiguities? So this, these, this last thing that we're doing, these two episodes... Yeah. Are, uh, well, there's certainly that final of the season. Yeah. Certainly the final episode too, episode 15 is that that's one of the big things they definitely hit on and uh you know towards the end of that one which we will get to. But yes, you are so right. And here's Tilly, you know, saying, you know, 
Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to go into this. It's getting, it's getting, you know, the, this whole episode, it just gets darker and darker and darker uh -huh. as, you know, people turn more and more towards Giorgio, Mirror Giorgio, Emperor Giorgio. Yeah. And she seems to be able to uh, coax or woo or trick or seduce uh, Admiral Cornwell, Sarek, Burnham. And you know, by by the time by the end of the episode, it seems like evil is triumphant. <laughs> well, certainly at the end of fourteen, that does that is definitely the way it feels. You know, and and like uh, so here we have Tilly, you know, basically saying she's reminded that you know people are shaped by their environment. Look at the you know Terran universe compared to our universe, and then you know she says that uh, <clears throat> that we uh, not only. What it becomes then is to understand the darkness within us, and then to fight that darkness. There's only That's one right. way to the only one way to the light, only one way to you know Starfleet awesomeness. We gotta have a little YouTube clip of that, <laughs> right? Life advice from Star Trek. <laughs> uh, here, then Tilly encourages Burnham to go talk to Tyler, even if it's just say goodbye. Commercial. We're coming back here for the climax. They drop the mycelia on Nevada 4 and inject it. And it, sure enough, it does grow. And the spores go wild. And you know, last week, part of the reason I lost my voice was because of the spores in the air. The mold <laughs> is what got me. So this whole scene was making me like have flashbacks to last week and not being able to talk. <clears throat> So here Burnham goes to Tyler. She asks, uh, was there ever an Ash Tyler? And uh, if he did, did he love her? Because she loved him. Loved him, she says, past tense notice. Yeah. Ash then goes on a bit of a tear telling her, uh, saying what's really happening, no, is that she, you went there with someone and it got complicated and now you've got your way out. <laughs> And I wrote in all capital letters, I think that's a bit of an oversimplification of what happened. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, Tyler. You think the reason she's leaving is because, oh my gosh, it's getting serious and now there's compl it's complicated? It's more than complicated. You tried You're a to whole kill her. other. <laughs> yeah, you've tried to kill her. You are now part of the, you know, half the species that killed her parents. Like, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Total oversimplification on his part. Uh, to which, of course, perfectly, Burnham replies with, it was your hands that killed me. And in your eyes, I saw Voke as he tried to kill me. Reclaiming life is punishing, she says. And she knows after all she's been through. And solitary. Just so you know, it's not going to be easy letting go of you. And with that, she walks out. The Admiral and Sarek talk to and do whatever Giorgio has said she, they should do. We still, again, don't know what that is. The Admiral here then makes a speech rallying the troops. We are about to be the first crow to see Quonos since Archer and the Enterprise. So, uh, I don't, do you remember what that was about, them going to Quonos? No, although there was a whole lot of Klingon stuff going on. I so we know that, yeah, they, well, we know that they ended up there at some point on Quonus. And so here we are at the very end of the episode to which she says at the finish of her rallying speech, the person specially suited to take us there is Captain Philippa Giorgio lost to, in a, you know, lost, but then found on a Klingon ship on a super classified mission. Welcome her back. And she walks onto the bridge in full discovery uniform. And everybody in the audience is like, what? What's <laughs> happening? How did this happen? Who thinks this is a good idea? Oh, no, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's awful. And as you said, it now brings everything to darkness. You know what I mean? Oh, it's not good. And especially now what happens in this next episode, it goes on to totally not be cool. And, uh, We'll get right there in just a second.
And we're back, everybody, after a quick break on our part. And uh, we're going to launch right into Disco 15, boys and girls. That's right. Episode number 15. So let's just jump in right away. Uh, was there anything that you didn't talk about yesterday? Did we get everything that you wanted to say, Ken? <coughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. I was just making sure. Great. So let's move into this episode. And we start off with this. So I just want to say that the special effects, we've mentioned them before, but I want to mention them again as we're wrapping up this season, are incredible. Uh, we got a couple of shots in this episode that are ridiculous and amazing, and I love them. Uh, and it, uh, one of them being this first cool shot as we go through our solar system. We see there are Klingons hanging out in our solar system, which is bad news. Uh, and then we go and we could do this like close up on Earth and then it turns us into Quonos and then backs up, you know, as then when, and uh, uh, we're on the ship, you know, we do that. We do the move onto the ship. Uh, Saru and Burnham uh, decide they're going to take a little uh, moment and have a powwow here really quick. Uh, not so subtly, I might add. Uh, Saru is upset because uh, he knows that this Giorgio does not embody the Federation ideals. That, which is what you were saying at the end of last episode. You're like, this is not good for anybody. As Burnham points out, uh, you know, hey, it was the Federation who put her here. So there's got to be a reason. There's got to be something we're doing. But uh, Burnham uh, does not continue acting low-key. She become, she basically outrun, uh, she basically out front, you know, confronts Giorgio acting hostile to her, you know, basically trying to question her. Hey, where did we, where did you say you grew up? Uh, I know you brought me there one time, but what was the name again? You know, uh, you got to wonder what this is all about. Is this her F taking over Ken? What's happening here? Why would she be so out of character all of a sudden? Yeah. I don't think she's willing to let, let this thing just happen. Mm -hmm. She wants to signal, uh, we're going to challenge you. And, you know, Giorgio takes it that way and says, don't challenge me again. But the marker that Burnham wants to put down is that we're not going to give you a free ride. You know, we're not going to give you a pass. You know, uh, if, if this thing plays out in a way that's, you know, acceptable, fine. But if not, we're going to call you on stuff. Be yeah. prepared for us to call you on stuff. If you're not uh, behaving yourself. Well, you know, so then they hear they have this walk and talk where basically, you know, she says just that, just that, you know, they're kind of digging at each other, trying to, you know, show, you know, who's on top and whatnot. Uh, then uh, Burnham grabs her arm to stop her in the middle of the hallway. And, you know, I want to know what your real plan is. And Giorgio looks at her and says, don't do that again. So it's great because we already got like, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't end with a big like two hour finale or an hour and a half finale or whatever. Um, and especially the way that this starts, like the tension right off the bat is just like mounted in this episode. You know, it feels like a true continuation of the last episode. Uh, and I love it. It's great. Uh, Giorgio does not reveal her plan here, only to say that this is the Federation's only chance to win this war. Credits. So here I am, we're watch I'm watching these opening credits, and I start to realize that all of the little things that we start to see in these opening credits, like, are all major parts of what has happened in the series. You know, we see the spore, we see the bathlet, we see, you know, the phaser and the communicator and the helmet, that we see those two hands in space that are, like, almost touching each other, and then, you know, it ends with the discovery. So it's kind of cool how they built everything into this opening, you know, these, this, this, these opening images. It's great. The story is there. So uh, again, we skip the commercial and go right into it. Uh, we find Giorgio in uh, the brig <coughs> torturing Laurel, you know, like basically just kicking her butt uh, and does her a serious pounding too. You would think her, you know, Laurel being a Klingon, that she'd be able to, like, handle her own. But she just gets torn up by this Terran Giorgio. 
and as you stated earlier, this is not a Georgiou that can handle being undercover, you know, in this existence. Right, yeah. uh, Burnham says there is another way. And they go and they talk to Tyler to try and find out what Voke knows. So Voke uh, relinquishes some uh, interesting uh, plans about our interesting stories about uh, the, uh, the, the temples that were on top of some of the volcanic spots. And uh, those might be an easy place to go check out. Uh, Tilly enters the group here and uh, very quickly starts gushing about how excited she is to meet Giorgio until she suddenly realizes this is not our Giorgio at all. No, this is the uh, Terran one. And oh my gosh, Tilly is not happy, happy about it at all. Uh, and also it's cool here because we get our first mention of the Orions, which, you know, has been around uh, Star Trek since... The very, very first episode, that pilot episode, The Cage, where we see our first Orion slave girl. So that's fun. And uh, also we hear something about uh, Awful that Killy and Giorgio did to the Betazoids. So that's uh, also interesting there. A little more fun uh, connecting of the universe, as they say. So they sport jump to Konos here. Uh, dressed as low lives, they decide they're going to uh, go into the uh, the... Uh, Orion Embassy, and it's Tilly Tyler Burnham and Emperor Giorgio as they beam away. Commercial. Now, while we're in this commercial, I just don't know if anybody else has seen this really stupid commercial with a meteor. It's the Volkswagen commercial where the meteor's coming down and they're packing up all their stuff. Well, there's a <laughs> sequel to this now. We're in it. She decides, like, hey, can we stop and get a latte? Like, where is she even thinking they're going to stop? No one's staying in Starbucks if there is a meteor coming into town. They're all flooding town, too. There's going to be no latte for you, lady. And if you stop, I hope that's where the meteor lands. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <coughs> Back to it. We saw in the opening shots, uh, again, they're taking it uh, just like the opening shot. We're going down to Quonos now through the atmosphere. It's this amazing shot. Um we get to this one place that sort of looks like man's Chinese theater, and it's the Orions. We're actually seeing them now in the flesh, not just hearing about them. To get some money, they decide they're going to uh, trade some of uh, Lorca's, uh, you know, gifts away, the stuff that he had hanging out in their lab. Tilly and Burnham sort of sneak away to have a little convo about how they're not, neither of them are happy in this current situation only to find out that the meal that they've been eating is also a tardigrade. So that's also not super cool. Space whale. Then they split us apart, Tyler and Burnham and Tilly and Giorgio. They walk into this club and Giorgio decides to pull two Ryans for Orion uh, slave people for herself. One lady, one man. Tilly thinks that the lady is for her, but Giorgio assures her that they are both for her. Tyler then uh, decides he's going to gamble because he knows Folk was very good at it. And uh, in this montage, we begin to see Tyler being all Klingon-y, you know. Uh, Burnham is not very happy with the situation at all. She's It almost grosses her, her out. Yep, freaks her out bad. Then cut to Tilly being left alone in this club, and we see Clint Howard. Oh, boy, ladies and gentlemen, making yet another return to the Star Trek universe. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a bookend that is. From what episode? Is it three? Yeah, episode three, the Carbon Might and Maneuver. Yeah. To the uh, season ender of Discovery, you know, from the way Star Trek is right now. I mean, there's obviously exactly. Star Trek in the future, but the way Star Trek is right now, he's at the beginning and the end. Exactly. So that's that's kind of cool. crazy. Well, not only that, but this is... Uh, so, obviously, he was in the Carbomite Maneuver, as you mentioned. He was also in an episode of DS9, where he plays a character named Grady, and was also in an episode of uh, Enterprise called Acquisition. Howard also has the distinction of being uh, an actor whose appearances span the longest interval of 51 years in the franchise, having filmed the Carbomite, Carbomite Maneuver early in 66, and now this one in October 2017. Back at it, uh, Tilly tries not to smoke whatever Clint is trying to make her, but uh, 
he attempts to kick her out. And uh, she decides, okay, I guess I'm going to do it anyway. And then passes out. Back to Tyler and Burnham. Uh, uh, Burnham expresses her displeasure with having to see it. Uh, and wonders how he she, uh, he got along so well with them. Tyler says, uh, a human-speaking Klingon is like a dog on water skis. <laughs> so then she uh, goes on to tell a story about uh, her background of <coughs> what happened to her parents. Her wanting to stay around and watch this like astronomical event happen. And... Uh, Instead, keeping her parents there an extra day was what eventually got them killed by the Klingons. Now, interestingly, this comes out in the final episode of the series, but uh, was also in the book that I just read that came out before the show did. So interesting that there are two interesting pieces of information that come out in that book, one of which being that, you know, Sarek wanted her to go to Starfleet and not be in the science thing. And then the other one being this piece of information. So it's interesting that reading that book was, yeah, I already knew all that stuff. So sad times. Stuff stolen away from me by reading a book. <laughs> but did you know Clint Howard was going to be here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, how would I know? <laughs> so her story leads us uh, or leads her to remember that this is a home world. That Detmer had it right. Uh, you know, these are people's homes here. And uh, if we let them get away with this, um, the Federation will target and exploit this home and it will never be the same. We then cut to uh, Georgios Threesome. The Orions say uh, that they have learned something from her, which I thought was really funny. Uh, cut to Tilly waking up to find old Clint trying to steal her mapping device. You were asleep, and I'm an Orion, he says. They tear the uh, the case open until he says, Oh, shit, this is not a mapping device. He warns Burnham that the last minute is knocked out by Georgiou. Oh, no. Burnham and Tyler find Tilly, and uh, we find out that it's a hydro bomb that if put into an active volcano... This will destroy Quonos in days. And not only that, but that they, uh, all of the volcanoes are active on Quonos. They're not dormant like we were led to believe. Burnham then calls Saru to tell him that, what Giorgio is up to. But they can't beam her out. And not only that, dun, 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 she has already dropped the bomb. Commercial. Back at it. We see Quonos being destroyed. What? Oh, no. It's only a sim. We were faked out. I thought for a second like we were going to see some kind of like time travel thing happen, you know, with the spore drive. But that's not what happened. Destruction confirmed, uh, however. What's that? Destruction confirmed, however. I mean, the simulation suggests that this will be a planet-ending event. That's right. Quonos will be no more. And we know it's around in Star Trek VI, so... Burnham is yelling at the Admiral uh, Cornwell, saying, you know, hey, no, this isn't right. We gotta stick to our principles if we're gonna be doing this. To which the Admiral replies, we do not have the luxury of principles. But Burnham says, but it is all that we have. She then goes on to give a speech about how she thought that our survival was more important than our principles. And that's what led her to... uh, fire first at the Klingons, or at least tried to fire first, and uh, what eventually led to this war in the first place. But she says, I was, a, I was wrong. I've learned my lesson. Do we need a mutiny here to prove who we are? And Saru stands and says, we are Starfleet, and the rest of the bridge crew all stand together. Down on the planet, Burnham confronts Giorgio. Giorgio says, you talked them out of it, didn't you? <laughs> Burnham says, a planetary slaughter? You bet. Giorgio then uh, pulls a gun on Burnham. Burnham gambles on the fact that the mere Giorgio cannot, cannot watch this Burnham die as well. You cannot, watch me, you cannot watch me die again, she says. And sure enough, Giorgio backs down, hands the detonator over to Burnham, 
and is given a free pass by the Federation to go live her life. That Jojo would, in the end, have killed uh, Burnham. I think that the that? key thing was that, well, because I think she's that ruthless. Okay. I think the uh, the real thing that stops her is, you know, Starfleet's not going to back your play. Yeah. And that you would be hunted. And so you, you really kind of have, you know, you would have the unpleasantness of having killed me, but, you know, you wouldn't get anything for it. And you'd, you'd be yeah. hunted. It'd kind of be, it'd be a mess. But here I've, you know, Fair I've, enough. I've, I've secured that, you know, you'll still get your freedom if you just take off and make your yep. bid somewhere else at some other time. Which begs the question, will we see Giorgio in the next season? She could be like a mud or something, you know, that we keep running into or something. Right. Not that well, she'd she be a mud. Be but bad season three. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Bring her back in season three. There you go. That's a much more fun idea. <coughs> so as Giorgio hands the detonator over to Burnham, Laurel arrives with Tyler in tow. Burnham hands her the detonator and says, bring your people back to glory or watch them be destroyed. But it will be your choice. Tyler then reminds Laurel, who said that she never wanted to be uh, the... She never wanted to run the Klingon Empire. She never wanted to be it. She always wanted to be in the shadows. But Tyler reminds her that Volk had always believed that in her and that it is time to come out of the shadows and take the lead. Meanwhile, Giorgio takes her leave. Burnham tells her to be good. Or what, says Giorgio. You'll come back. You'll come after me. Burnham says, don't make me have to. Is this a precursor for the next season, I wonder? Or season three. <laughs> Or season three, like you say. Commercial! Uh, Lorel has made, it, uh, made her move to the Makai ship. Tyler has decided to go with her. He says he's no good for either side, but maybe here he'll be able to do good for both. Michael, he says, your capacity for love has saved my life. To which her response is, I see you, Ash, in your eyes, and only you. They kiss, aw, and he leaves. Will they see each other again? Who knows? It's sad, too, because I was really hoping he was going to be part of the crew next year, you know? It'd be kind of fun to have this, like, randomly rogue Klingon, you know, pop in every once in a while on the ship or something, you know, just, like, awkwardly. <laughs> uh, we then see Laurel on the Klingon ship. She invokes Takuva and reminds them that a united empire is better, uh, is a better empire. She demands to be, she, she demands to be made their leader. They laugh at her, but then she threatens the home world. Reunification has now begun, she says. Cut to earth. The war is over. Make no mistake, says Burnham in voiceover. These were bleak times. Times we cannot repeat. Then she meets Amanda. She thanks Amanda for reminding her to be human and that it is something she will take into consideration more in her future voyages. She then meets Sarek, who reinstates her as Commander Burnham, an order also by the president of Starfleet himself, of the Federation himself. She then continues her speech. We will not take shortcuts under the path well, of righteousness. He also, so in the last episode, he, 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 there was a gap there where he distinctly didn't call her his daughter, where he, you kind of felt like he should have. Mm -hmm. You know, they were talking about family, and like, he did he did go so far as to say, you know, well, your mother did this, or your mother, you know, but he couldn't himself say, you know, that he was her father, she was his daughter. And then in, in this moment, he does. Yeah. So there's a little completion there. It's nice. Yeah, a little full circle. Yeah, a little closure. Well, and because Sarek's going to be on Discovery, we know that uh, there's not going to be... We know that won't be a thing anymore. Their their relationship will not uh, 
be hindering them. Um, we will not take shortcuts on our path of righteousness, she says. We can only look forward. We have to be the torchbearers of everlasting peace, she says. Tilly is then admitted into the command training program. Commander Saru is the first Kelpian to receive a Medal of Honor. And then the dis oh, and then uh, Colbert, uh, Colbert, <laughs> Stephen Colbert, ladies and gentlemen, also <coughs> Colbert, Stamets' husband, or at least boyfriend, husband, were they married? I don't remember. But uh, he also receives a, a, a posthumous uh, medal as well. Then the disco leaves Earth for Vulcan to pick up their new captain. Ooh, a Vulcan captain. That could be fun. Yeah. Starfleet. What? Are you retiring? Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Starfleet has also said that the uh, spore drive will be offline until we can find a way to not use a human in the process. And then I write, in a ridiculous ending? Is it a ridiculous ending? I'm not sure. I don't know how I feel about it. They get a distress call from a Federation ship. We see on a computer spring that they are decoding the, the distress call to be coming from the USS 17. What? It cuts away. Which one's 17? Oh, what? But for sure, we find out it's the Enterprise after all. And the distress call is coming from Captain Pike. Credits. That's how they're going to end the series. On a big cliffhanger like that. Shot where the Enterprise kind of comes in. You know, it, it's it's long. It's, you know, several seconds long. And you see it, it approaching. And the design is is kind of somewhere between um, the original series and the movie era. It kind of yeah. reflects the, the redesign for Phase 2 that uh, Jeffries did. In which he gave it slightly more, uh, um, he adjusted the nacelles, like if the nacelles had been swapped out, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So this kind of, you know, suggests that kind of uh, ship. It's up. It, it looks like it belongs. It's not like, you know, TV era, you know, ship comes up to the Discovery. It's more like it's it's just been, uh, you know, given the, the current look. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. Beautiful. Be interesting to see what they do to the bridge. I mean, not that I think that they're going to do the, uh, you know, the old right, no, you know, no, 60s yeah. class, but it'll be fun to see how they, like, maybe they incorporated in some way or, you know, or even the uniforms, which, well, I guess the yeah. uniforms are pretty similar in the Pike episode. Because there were those blue ones, the, the blue coats. I remember us talking about how, like, they were almost Enterprise-ish. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> course folks you can find that episode on itunes just look us up the brothers trick about it. first episode of stuff that's not discovery look for it there all right uh more stuff more questions how can this be happening i ask how can they be doing this are we going to be seeing pike is that going to be a thing are they going to have to cast a new pike how is this happening will we see spock is he going to talk will we get the uh, brother and sister thing going on it's hard to say Here's what Kurtzman had to say about it in After Trek. Um, one of the reasons they wanted to do this because they wanted to answer the question as to why Spock hasn't mentioned his sister before. Uh, I don't think that that needs an answer. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you think of like The Last Jedi and you're like, it's the Snoke thing all over again. It's like they're just, it's not necessary to me, to the story that it happened, you know? Like it's like, uh, because it, it just is an extra long answer. You know, my sister, who is human, who was picked up by Sarah and Amanda, you know, and raised and, but, you know, it's like, it's too complicated. You know, there's no reason to have to mention her. Um, also, too, uh, uh, another thing is that uh, we've also heard that perhaps we won't see Spock. And if we do see Spock, that he may not talk. So it might just be a young Leonard Nimoy. I, it's, I don't know what they're going to do with this. It's going to be so interesting. There's also been no announcement for a new air date. So who knows when we'll be coming back. I'm hoping they'll, they'll do a fall, fall winter thing like they did this time with a break in the middle. But who knows how they're going to do it. <laughs> so other questions, uh, you know, we can ask about, talk about, discuss. 
Will Stamets continue to explore the mycelial network? Is that going to be another thing that's going to come into play? What do you think, Ken? Are we going to get more exploration of uh, this crazy thing, or do you think it's shut down until uh, forever since we never hear about it again? No, I think uh, I think it'll come up in in some interesting ways. They'll find a way to make it useful. I think uh, you know, the, the actor who plays Stamets, he thought that they would continue to do it. And we don't know what's been written or what they've told him, so it's it's hard to yeah. tell whether he's just speculating or talking about, well, this is what I think my character would do, or yeah. whether he may know that there's some mycelial stuff yet to do. But that's his area of specialty. Well, he, he becomes a redundant character if there's not something going on there. True, exactly, exactly. Uh, what else we got here? Um, we still have the mycelial dot that landed on Tilly's shirt that I brought up earlier in this episode. And again, what does that mean? What happens? Is that the return of... My, my prediction is still, although it's probably wrong, my prediction is still that that will be the return of uh, Lorca in some way. Uh, we will probably see Vulcan Tyler again. Don't you feel that way about that? I feel like we're going to... He's going to be, again, I think like you said earlier, that this is too... He's too good a character to lose. Saru is not going to be the captain. He's going to be the temporary captain. While whatever this is with the Enterprise situation, <coughs> no matter how long that lasts, um, he uh, is only going to be a temporary captain. I think he's an awesome captain, though. He should be captain. I don't know why they just didn't do it. But I guess they wanted to give us a little more uh, friction among the uh, the bridge crew. And then the last question I thought up was, uh, who will be the new captain? Do you think this is somebody that we already know? Do you think this is going to be a new character? I'm leaning towards that it's a new character, but maybe there's somebody in the past like Spock's other brother or something. That <laughs> it's Cyborg. Like, not him. Yeah. What was his name? Surek or something? Cyborg, yeah. Cyborg, yeah, there we go. Oh, that's funny. Well, that's it. You know, uh, I've also did some... Uh, I did some digging to see uh, what people were, uh, you know, what are the critics saying about this uh, series? And, you know, I read like five or six uh, reviews about season one and the last episode and all that. And like pretty much everything, everybody had great things to say about it. You know, they said that if even if the first half was a little bit wobbly, it more than made up for itself in the second half. The second half was really awesome. And uh, I totally I totally dug it. As you can tell by all of these recaps, I'm just like, yeah, that was cool, and I love that, and that was really neat. Uh, what do you? What do you? Uh, give us uh, what you, your thoughts on uh, on Discovery so far, season one. Well, I mean, ultimately, I think it's Star Trek, so it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's fair. New Star Trek at that, you know, not the old stuff we've seen over and over. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I really think that they took the show in a very different direction. Um, you know, I, there have been a lot of complaints that, oh, this wasn't Starfleet and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like, A, I don't care. We're early enough in the Federation that, you know, they're still getting their footing. They're still trying to find themselves. You know, that was how I was chalking all of that stuff up. Yeah. Uh, you know, plus, as you and I have discussed, Lorca is kind of a, you know, he could have just been a different kind of captain. You know. Right a wartime captain. So none of that bothered me. And again, I love how the show looks. The actors are all incredible. Like Matt Myra was even like, yeah, there's not a bad one in the bunch. And I was like, exactly. Yeah. They were all, everybody was great. There was nobody that I didn't believe or was like, Oh, this character again. Ugh. So hopefully that continues in uh, season two where we get more and more super cool stuff uh, for the characters to do. And never will there be ever a time where I'm like, oh, this again. Because it inevitably happens. But we'll see. Hopefully there won't be any in season two. That's my hope. Uh, that's it. Final thoughts, sir. Anything else you want to say? Well, you know, I think there's an advantage in, in going with a 15-episode season. Mm -hmm. It a lot, You know, they spent some time on it. and they. So, you know, we've been talking about the original series. And the original series really was by the seat of their pants. 
you know, they come up with a concept, they pitch it to the network, they get the green light, and then they start writing episodes, like, as they're shooting. You know, Roddenberry was working so hard, he basically had a breakdown. So in the middle of the first season, yep. he had to hand stuff over to his producers and, you know, relinquish some of the... Bring in Gene Coon. Yeah, because it was just too much for one guy to do. And they were, like, yeah. basically doing stuff the minute before they put it on screen. And... You know, to go with 15 episodes and to give themselves plenty of time to do it where they can, you know, think it through and they're not like, you know, writing stuff down and, you know, handing it to the actors as they walk in front of the camera. That's going to, it makes it easier to make some high quality material. Well, I think, too, that that's a lot of what's happening in just the modern day TV, you know, where we're getting. We're getting, obviously, so first of all, this isn't just an episodic Star Trek series like we're totally used to, you know. Uh, we we have arcs. We got our season-long, you know, stuff that's happening. So it's easier when you can plot out a season right? and then just hand out like, okay, you're going to take this chunk, you write this script, you write this script, and everybody's sort of doing their, doing the work all at one time as opposed to, as you said, which I even think was you know, going into next generation, certainly the first few seasons were a lot of like, Oh, we got a script. Let's go bring it to shoot. We got to do this. Cause you know, there are a couple of stinkers in those first two seasons. So uh, not that there aren't every season, but boy, those first two seasons. Plus, you know, they were trying to find their footing. And what's amazing about this as compared to those other shows is that you jump right into this season and you're like, Oh, they're already going like, this is like, we're not waiting for the writers to find the feeling and get this like, no, everybody's going now. We're like along for the ride and let's do this. And everything was just, I did one of the, inter oh, one of the interviews, one of the uh, reviews that I did read said, you know, it's super rare that you'll come across a season one that is as put together as this season is. So it's amazing. I mean, obviously they had a lot of time. What was it? Almost like a year and a half of pre-production. So, you know, there's a yeah. lot of time to work it out and find the season and do all that stuff. But and then I, I think of, shows. The, of the creative ideas that kind of been percolating for a while and some of the people who wanted to bring the show back. So whereas Roddenberry kind of just had this idea wagon train to the stars and it was a whole lot more fleshed out than that. Maybe a kind of... Uh, you know, uh, what's his name? The nautical guy from the 18th century. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> um, yep. Hornblower. Okay, that guy. Horatio yeah. Hornblower. Horatio Hornblower. All right. You know, I mean, he had a, uh, maybe a thematic idea, right? But it wasn't nearly as well developed as some of the stuff that they had come up with here. And so, you know, Brian Fuller had a bunch of ideas, and, and then he left that stuff for these other guys to develop more fully. And so I think, you know, so much thought had been put into this as opposed to, we like your idea, start writing scripts. Right, exactly. Well, not only that, too, as we're finding as we're going through these, you know, first season episodes, that, you know, they also had a problem with writers not understanding the characters especially, you know, some of them are writing so far out, they haven't even seen the show yet, you know? So you have, you've got Ron Barry and Kuhn who are like literally doing rewrites just because this doesn't even sound like anybody on the show right now, you know? Right. Which obviously, again, getting into later seasons, that is at least a little more helpful that some of the writers at least understand the characters and know who they are and, you know, what they're talking about. All right. Well, that is that. Folks, thank you for joining us as we've made our way through Discovery. Uh, but hey, don't worry, there's plenty more to listen to because as I just said, we're going through season one and we're finding out all about those original series episodes. Uh, in some ways, I think those episodes are even a lot more fun than what we've been doing with the Discovery. Um, we got a lot of back and forth going on. Plus, we just have a lot of more history to discuss when it comes to each and every one of those episodes. So if you like this, I'm sure you're going to love the, the the rest of the stuff we're doing in regards to the original series. And if you haven't heard any of that, find us on iTunes, go back and listen to that as well, because it is all awesome and amazing. So with that news, like I said, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud. We are soon to be everywhere else with all of these great episodes. So find us, listen to us, enjoy us. 
And uh, that's it. I'm Matt from Austin saying farewell until we meet again. And there's Ken in Houston saying goodbye, Ken. Say goodbye. <laughs> Live long and prosper. That's right. And we will uh, talk to you all next season. Thank you.